From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And joining me for this edition by telephone from Nigeria, Auxiliary Bishop Moses Chikwe, who just recently was kidnapped in Nigeria uh, and released after five days safely. Um, Bishop Chikwa, thank you so much for joining me on this phone call. Are you welcome? And before we before we proceed, I should point out that uh, you lived in Southern California for uh, quite a while, and you were a VA chaplain at the San Diego VA, correct? That's correct. What years were you a chaplain there, sir? Uh, at the VA, I was uh, a chaplain from um, 2011 until uh, 2014. I see. And um, so after that, you went back to your home archdiocese of Oweri. Is that correct? Oweri, right. And you are now an auxiliary bishop. You've been an auxiliary bishop there since what, uh, 2019? 2019, that's correct. All right, Bishop Chikwa, could you tell us the story? What happened two days after Christmas on December 27th when you were abducted? Thank you. Uh, I want. I would like to start by uh, uh, thanking, using this medium to thank the Archbishop Brolio and the entire Archdiocese for Military Services, for all and all the VA family and all my friends and the entire Catholic world for your prayers, love, and care during the most painful period of my life. God bless you all. Thank so, you, sir. Here I go. Um, it was a very horrible experience that I don't wish on anyone, anybody. It was in the evening of Sunday, December 27, 2020, around 6.40 p.m. There was still daylight, and uh, my driver and I were concluding our rosary, and I was uh, still holding my rosary in my hand, trying to get it into its pocket. That a white minivan uh, vehicle cut us with speed and blocked our assets. Four men immediately alerted from uh, the bus, armed with AK-47 assault rifles. My driver had stopped uh, our car, our own car, and they came straight to our car and asked us to come down. They took control of the vehicle and ordered us back into the vehicle and sped off to a distance of more than one hour. They took us into the bush where they held us captive from that Sunday night till Friday night when we were released. It was both surprising and a big shock to me that I was now in the hands of uh, kidnappers. I have heard uh, people's story of uh, being kidnapped, but never thought it would happen to me. I was kind of in a denial. So, but the reality, uh, when the reality dawned on me and was so clear, something significant happened, which sustained me throughout the time. 
when I noticed how they were treating us and the insult, the image of Christ, uh, Christ's passion and death immediately came to my mind. And I said to myself, what I'm currently going through has not even come close uh, to what Christ went through in his passion and death. And this numbed me uh, toward the maltreatment that we were receiving, and I didn't feel the pain. At some point in my captivity also, I said, uh, maybe it is good to experience what many have suffered in the past. These all helped to strengthen me, and of course, my prayers, and that of millions including the Holy Father, uh, who prayed for my release. It was quite touching when we were released to know how much uh, people uh, from all over the world cared and prayed for us. So it was something that, that was quite, uh, it touched my heart really, that every, every, many people, many people all over the world, they were praying and uh, uh, asking God uh, to uh, help and intervene uh, to uh, release us uh, from this captivity. So, so your, your, your Excellency, if I may interrupt you there just for a moment, if we can back up. And uh, so you were coming out of the cathedral there, there in Oweri, correct? No, we, we went and visited a family. We went and visited the family, and then uh, I lived outside of uh, the cathedral area. I see. Uh, so yes. were, were, when you were kidnapped, were you already in your car, or were you on foot at that point? No, we were in the car. We were moving. Uh, we are driving. I see. Uh, to my residence, and it was almost uh, like about uh, 500 yards from my residence when the double-crossed us, and then uh, we couldn't uh, um, uh, go anywhere. How many gunmen were there, Your Excellency? Four, four of them that I saw. And all of them were armed? Yes, they were armed. And so you, you say they uh, took you uh, to a, a rural area. Uh, were, yes. you, were, you in, were you in the open, or, or was it a house that they took you to, or, or what? It was in the bush. So you were outside for the whole five days you were abducted? Yes, yes, we were in the bush. Oh, my goodness. And um, so uh, how did, in what ways did they mistreat you? Do, were they hurling insults at you? Uh, did they physically assault you? Well, uh, I don't know if I, I will go into details uh, describing uh, all the type of uh, you know, torture that we received. Uh, so it, it, it wasn't a, a good experience at all. Yeah, it was not a good experience. Oh, my goodness. Well, I want to, uh, you, you'd mentioned earlier, and um, I know that the uh, the Pope uh, offered his prayers for your uh, safe return. So did Archbishop Brolio, and I just wanted to uh, um, uh read the statement that Archbishop Brolio sent out during the, uh, the period of your captivity. He said, quoting, um, quoting Archbishop Timothy Brolio, my heart goes out to all the faithful in Nigeria and in West Africa in general. These acts of violence disrupt, disrupt 
the lives of so many and so fear in the hearts of those who only want to live in peace, better their lives, and enjoy freedom of religion. I pray that Bishop Chickway, who served our veterans so diligently, will soon be restored to his ministry and that Mr. Robert, that's your driver, uh, uh, will uh, return to his family unscathed. How is your driver, Your Excellency? He's doing okay. He's improving and uh, receiving treatment uh, from our hospital. Now, I understand that he had a deep cut in his hand. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. And That's correct. How did that happen? Um, he, the, the guy, one of the guards uh, who were uh, uh, guarding us in the bush, uh, so he came at him with uh, a, a machete. And, oh, my God. Uh, was going to... Hit, hit him with that, and then he defended it with his hand, and then he kind of uh, drew that uh, uh, very machete, and then it, it uh, had a big cut in his hand. Why did these men abduct you and your driver? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Now they, it's, were, they just uh, saw us and then followed us uh, or something. I don't know. It, I have no total idea. And their, their motive was to get a ransom, to get money. And that's become a problem in Nigeria, correct? There are a lot of kidnappings nowadays. Uh, yes, yes. Did they know, did these men know that you were a, uh, a bishop? Uh, according to what they said at the end, because at the end when they were releasing us, uh, they apologized to me and said that they didn't know that I was a bishop. Uh, so I said, okay. Uh, but when they were uh, taking, I was uh, shouting uh, that I'm a bishop. I'm a bishop, and uh, they they saw me in my regalia. So, uh, but they said that uh, they didn't know. Um, they only saw the driver. They didn't see me. So that was what that, that was what they said. How did you get released? Um. So uh, on Friday afternoon, the the one that uh, is the chief, the one that is in charge of uh, that particular ring, so he came with his guard and said to me, Bishop, we are very sorry for what happened. We, did, we didn't know you were a bishop. It was out of anger, retaliation, and frustration that we entered into this. We ask that you forgive us and pray for us. I told him that I have forgiven them from my heart of heart. And if there is anything that I had, uh, I had done uh, against them, that they should also forgive me. So they said, no, Bishop, uh, you didn't do anything to us. Uh, and then uh, he further said that uh, we will be go- leaving that very day. We'll be going home that very day. And uh, he was not asked, and he said that he was not going to ask for any amount uh, of money at all. And uh, so I thanked him, and uh, they left. So before they left, uh, we left the bush. Uh, those ones uh, who were guarding us, two of them, they asked me to pray for them, and they knelt down. I prayed for them, and uh, also asked that God will uh, transform them. Uh, change their hearts uh, so that they will get uh, a, 
a good employment, they will get something that they will be doing rather than uh, uh, this type of uh, evil. So I prayed for their conversion and uh, and I blessed them. They now down and I blessed them. And I told them that I have forgiven them. And, don't, and then when we were also, they, because they had to drop us off where we will be able to locate our, our home. Then uh, the guy who is the chief was there in the car and then they asked me to bless them. And I prayed and blessed them. I told them again that I've forgiven them um, uh, for all that they did to us. So, uh, oh, what an incredible story. I know Archbishop of Oweri, uh, uh, His Excellency Anthony Obina, was working for your release. Um, have you, uh, since, since your release, learned uh, the details of the negotiations over your safe release? How did they, how did they pull that off? No. Where did the kidnappers take you upon your release? Well, they took us close to our home, uh, my residence. I see. And uh, what then? Did you uh, did you go to the hospital? Uh, were you injured? And how long were you in the hospital, Your Excellency? No, I didn't, I didn't stay in the hospital. It was just a checkup, a 10-day checkup, just to make sure that everything was still okay. Share with us what went through your mind during the five days you were held captive. Oh, well, uh, the thing is this, uh, because... Um, when they uh, took us, um, I told them uh, that they asked uh, if, I, if I wanted to die or something. I said, I told them that I've given my life already to God. So, uh, and that didn't uh, make them happy at all. So, but, uh, you know, I, I was not thinking uh, that uh, about all my friends, my family, the church that I serve, and everybody. So I, I was talking for all those people who will be, uh, you know, in big terror uh, because I was not. So uh, for me, uh, to die or to leave, uh, it didn't make uh, any difference. But uh, I, I thought maybe if I leave, just like St. Paul would say, I would be of uh, use to the people of God. And if I die, I will go to God. So uh, I was resigned. I was just, um, I just gave my life to God. And that, and that I had not But when I got that uh, very tough, uh, that image of Christ coming to me uh, at that very moment of my uh, torture and passion, I said to myself, I haven't gone even one half. Any what Christ offers. So, and that helped me a lot. That gave me a lot of energy. So, uh, you know, it relaxed me and I didn't worry anymore. We're talking to Auxiliary Bishop Moses Chikwa of the Archdiocese of Oweri in Nigeria. Um, 
Bishop Chickway was kidnapped on December 27th and held captive for five days by gunmen demanding ransom. Uh, fortunately, he and his driver were uh, released. Um, your driver, Bishop Chickway, Mr. Robert, uh, was treated for a uh, deep hand cut as a result of the uh, your captor swinging a machete at him and him shielding himself. Uh, how How is he doing? And are you back in the pulpit now? Or are you still, uh, have you returned to active ministry? Uh, I'm still taking uh, some time uh, get over. Uh, I see. And what more can you tell us about your abductors? Were they arrested? I don't. I don't know. I don't know about uh, whether they were arrested or not. No, I haven't uh, gotten any information yet, except what the government was uh, putting out. So the government, I think, uh, into it. Uh, also, when the outcry was uh, heavy, so I think the, the government stepped in and kind of uh, uh, came to the rescue also. They worked uh, with the church in order to uh, effect a uh, uh, release. Um, and, uh, and I think at the end of the day, it was God's intervention. It was God's intervention, and I don't think of it any other way. Looking back on your experience, what spiritual lessons did it teach you? <laughs> I love, I love, because there I got uh, more uh, confirmatory evidence of our faith. You know, uh, people prayed. Myself, I prayed a lot. And so it's just that God is always with us. He is always intervening. He is always hearing our prayers. All the prayers and tears and cries of people that God really heard that. I mean, it's just a very powerful message of faith that we have to trust in God no matter what. And the Sunday before that, uh, uh, I mean, uh, that, uh, the, the Sunday, that I was at. I was preaching in the church about, you know, having to deal with uh, difficulties and trials of life uh, in with faith, having to trust in God in all concerns. All that sermon, I gave that very Sunday, came back to me and I said to myself, uh, this is the true test of faith. I have to trust in God no matter what. I have to keep holding on to the one I know since uh, I was born. So I had to keep holding on to him and keep praying to him. Uh, so it was a big, big lesson of faith to me, to everybody. I know it already, and I firmly believe in God. And yet this was uh, more and more uh, confirmatory uh, of uh, that faith that uh, all of us will share in God. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, you, Bishop uh, Moses Chikwa, 
at one time were a chaplain Chickway uh, and served at the uh, San Diego VA. Tell us about your experiences at uh, at the VA in San Diego. I must say that it was one of the best experiences I had in the United States. I love the veterans. Uh, I love the nurses, uh, the doctors, my fellow chaplains, and other health professionals. It was uh, like a family to me. Whenever I came to work, uh, I always pray to God to give me to restore faith, hope, and strength to our sick brothers and sisters. So just my work and as a chaplain, I always use the passage of uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Uh, whatever you do to any one of these, my brothers, uh, that you do unto me. When I, when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. When I was naked, you gave me uh, your clothes. When I was uh, in the hospital, when I was sick, you visited me, and so on and on. Of uh, that very, so I use that as the fulcrum of uh, my ministry to the sick. So in the veteran who is sick, uh, is Christ, and my care to him or her is a care rendered to Christ. That helped me to find a lot of meaning and fulfillment in what I was doing as a chaplain. So I did. I did not visit only the patients. I extended my care to nurses and doctors, and uh, they were able to confide in me uh, some of their difficulties, which I worked with them on. So I participated and represented the chaplain department in uh, some of the hospital-wide teams or groups. For instance, I was a member of uh, the hospital ethics advisory team. I was a member of uh, the institutional board, the IRB of the hospital, because we did a lot of research there. So I was a member of or representing the chaplain staff uh, at the coordinating uh, council of the hospital. So I was a facilitator for uh, the reigniting the spirit of children for all the uh, hospital staff and other little um, uh, you know, hospital unit groups. In, in order to provide the best care for our patients. So I was very busy, and I liked it because it got me engaged with people at various levels uh, at the hospital. So it was a great opportunity and privilege to serve our veterans. I loved people, and they loved me too. So it, it was very sad when I had to leave, uh, but that place left a permanent impression on me. And I'm still connected with some, uh, many of uh, the nurses, doctors uh, who work there, or who have uh, retired or, or you know moved on to a different uh, hospital. So it, it was, it was uh, an experience that was always, uh, you know, evergreen in my mind. And during the time you were in Southern California, you pursued your education too, didn't you? I did. And uh, you worked on a. a I, I, I did my, I did my masters uh, in educational administration at the Angola Marymount University, and uh, I did my doctorate uh, in education at uh, UCLA, University of uh, California at Los Angeles. 
Well, um, Auxiliary Bishop Moses Chikwai of the um, Archdiocese of Oweri in Nigeria, we are so grateful for your service and, and thankful to the Lord that you and your driver, Mr. Robert, were released uh, uh, safely, although he has a, uh, a deep cut in his hand that he's recovering from. Uh, and you yourself are recovering, and uh, thank you so much for talking to me today and uh, our prayers for your continued well-being and safety. And um, God willing, this never, nothing like this ever happens uh, uh, to you or any other servant of God uh, again. Thank you so much uh, for this opportunity uh, to speak uh, to the Australian uh, community. Thank you, sir. Thank you. The Archdiocese for the Military Services, USA, the AMS, was established by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985. Her mission? To provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, the civilian workforce employed by the federal government beyond U.S. borders, and the families of these populations, making the AMS the church's only truly global archdiocese. Among pastoral services provided by the AMS under Archbishop Timothy Brolio, celebration of the sacraments, endorsement of chaplains, evangelization and religious education, sacramental record-keeping, a thriving seminarian program, pastoral visitation by the bishops to military installations worldwide, and more. All told, 1.8 million Catholics all over the world depend on the AMS based in Washington, D.C. to meet their spiritual and sacramental needs. The AMS receives no government funding. She depends entirely on private gifts for survival. For more information, visit millarch.org. That's M-I-L-A-R-C-H dot O-R-G.